0: The following resource is from LMPC.org and we're delighted to provide it freely to all. If you feel led to give towards the ministry of Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, we welcome you to do so at lnpcorg give. Reading this morning is from Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, as many of you know, we are hosting our missions conference this week. And we're so grateful to have Jonathan DeGroote here with us from Christ Church, Glasgow. Jonathan serves as the pastor of Christ Church. He's also the chaplain to a professional soccer team in Glasgow. Uh, And Robbie and Lydia Sweet and their family are now serving at his church there. And uh, it's the beautiful connection we have. We're so thankful to have you here with us this week and to have you preach the word to us this morning. So welcome, Jonathan.
1: Thank you, Aaron, for your warm welcome. Thank you, Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, for greeting me so well over these past few days. It's a privilege and an honor to be here with you. And also an immense privilege to share God's word this morning from Acts chapter 1. I'd like us to pray before we look at these verses together. So let me lead us in prayer and ask for God's help. Lord God, we thank you for your word to us, the Bible. We pray that your Holy Spirit, here with us now, would speak to us through it, that we might understand its implications for our lives today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as a family, we have often enjoyed holidaying in the central part of Scotland. And one of the things that we often enjoy doing is going to a loch, that would be loch, not lake, but loch going to a loch and throwing stones into the loch, either to skim them or just to see which family member can throw the stones the furthest. And when the water in the loch is so still and calm, you know that you get that ripple effect when a stone drops into the water and those concentric circles spread out. Well, as we look at the book of Acts this morning, the image of the ripple effect is a good one to keep in our minds because it not only helps us understand the book of Acts and get a handle on it, but it also pictures for us the worldwide mission of the Lord Jesus Christ as it spreads out across the world today because the impact of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus around 2,000 years ago continues to spread throughout our world. And so the book of Acts records for us the beginning of the unstoppable mission of Jesus Christ across this globe. And so we as followers of Jesus Christ are part of this unstoppable mission movement. And so what I'd like to do this morning is look at the opening verses of Acts chapter one as part of our missions conference by way of encouraging us, because we too serve in the mission of Jesus Christ. And so today we're gonna look at these verses under four headings. First of all, the mission plan, verse one to three. Secondly, the mission power, verse four to five. Third, the mission pattern, verse six to 11. And then fourthly, by way of application to us, the mission people. So first of all, the mission plan. The mission plan is essentially the continuation of the work of Jesus on this earth now that Jesus has ascended and gone to heaven. We read of this in verse 1 to 3 of Acts chapter 1. And so as we look at these opening verses of Acts chapter 1, we need to briefly mention Luke's gospel because Luke is, of course, the author of both his gospel and the book of Acts. And so Acts is essentially volume two. Volume two of Luke's work on Jesus. And both of these volumes are dedicated to this man called Theophilus. And so at the beginning of his gospel, Luke said that he was writing a reliable account of everything that happened concerning Jesus. And of course, Luke is more than a historian. Luke is writing history from a theological point of view. He's writing history as it fits within God's overarching purposes for our world. In other words, Luke is saying that what happened in history concerning Jesus impacts everyone. Then and now and until the day that Jesus returns. So Luke here is not writing the acts of the apostles. He is writing the acts of Jesus. Because we see in Acts how the risen Lord Jesus Christ continues to work through the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish God's saving purposes in this world. And so here, Luke tells us that his first book is about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. And now his second book is all about all that Jesus continued to do. In fact, Luke's gospel ends the same way that Acts begins, where Luke records Jesus' words that he would suffer, die, and rise again, and that the gospel of repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, and that the apostles were to be witnesses to this, and that the power to do this would come through the Holy Spirit. And then Luke ends his gospel with the ascension of Jesus into heaven. And then in Acts chapter one, Luke repeats all of this again. Well, why? Because he wants to emphasize for us that the mission of Jesus is operational. And it is unstoppable. And so at the beginning of Acts, the mission plan of Jesus continues to move forward. And so here, the risen Lord Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God will continue to advance until the day that Jesus returns. And that's why Jesus, in a sense, gives his marching orders to the apostles here before he ascends into heaven. Jesus is preparing them for deployment in his mission. Remember what Jesus promised in the Gospel of Matthew. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so the book of Acts is the amazing account of the unstoppable mission of Jesus. And it is a mission that still continues today. A mission that we, as the church, are caught up in. A mission that cannot and will not fail. And I think we need to remember that in our present day, don't we? I know I do, as I seek to minister in a secular post-Christian Scotland, where the church is small, the mission to reach the lost is hard, and the advance of the kingdom seems to be slow. But wherever we are, we must remember that the mission of Jesus Christ will never ever fail. Jesus is building his church. And the kingdom of God will one day come in all its fullness. And so let's take confidence in the mission plan of Jesus. That's our first point, the mission plan. The second is the mission power in verse 4 to 5. What's the mission power? Well, the power for this mission of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus said to his disciples he would be clo- that they would be clothed with power from on high. And here we read in verse 4 to 5 that while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Of course, this points to Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit would come to empower the apostles to witness to Jesus. And so in verse 8, we get this. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And so Jesus would continue to direct his mission from heaven through his spirit who'd be sent to the church on earth. And that's why the Holy Spirit is mentioned so often in the book of Acts, I think 52 times. But what's interesting is that if we trace the references to the Holy Spirit in Acts, they're not evenly scattered or spread throughout. They seem to appear in clusters. And in each cluster, the emphasis on the Holy Spirit's work is always the same. Where the Holy Spirit always has a singular purpose in the book of Acts. And what is that purpose? It's mission. The Holy Spirit is given to the church of Jesus Christ in this world as the power to carry out the mission of Jesus. And that's the context in Acts. It is always connected to witnessing to Jesus Christ. It is always about moving the church out into the world. It is always about emboldening believers to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, spreading it further and wider into new territory and in order to reach new frontiers. The Holy Spirit is the mission power for witnessing to Jesus. So, for example, in Acts, the Holy Spirit is mentioned here in Acts chapter 1 with the commissioning of the apostles in verse 8. And the Spirit is given specifically for worldwide mission. In Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit and they're speaking in different tongues. But what were they saying? We read in chapter 2 verse 11 that they were declaring the mighty acts of God. In Acts chapter 6, in the choosing of leaders, the Spirit is mentioned as the apostles choose the right people. Why? So they can devote themselves to the ministry of prayer and the word. In Acts chapter 8, the Holy Spirit is involved in spreading the gospel further afield into Samaria. Like Jesus said here in chapter 1, verse 8, In Acts chapter 10, it's the Spirit who propels Peter to Cornelius. And as a result, the gospel reaches the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 16, the Spirit propels Paul and Silas across to Macedonia and into Europe. And in Acts chapter 20, the Spirit propels Paul towards Rome, telling him that he will suffer, but he must testify to gospel of the grace of God. So all through the book of Acts, these clusters, in these clusters, the Holy Spirit is working to constantly push the church, push believers outwards and onwards to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. In one way or another, the Spirit empowers God's people to witness to Jesus, to tell more and more people about Jesus. And so Acts reminds us that the Holy Spirit has come, not so much for our benefit, but for the benefit of the church, in order to reach the lost with the saving message of Jesus Christ. And so if we want to see the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our church, well it's because we've got a desire in our hearts to tell more people about Jesus and see them come to believe in Jesus as their Savior and to worship him as their Lord. And so the power for the unstoppable mission comes through the Holy Spirit. And so while it's important to have our strategies and the right leaders and the right committees and the right ministries, we should never forget that God's kingdom expands through the work of God's Spirit. As we proclaim the Word of God, the Spirit of God does the work of God. And so we must have complete and utter dependence upon God for all that we seek to do for Him. And we should be encouraged that it is His power, not ours, that advances His work, His mission in this world. That's our second point, the mission power Thirdly, the mission pattern in verse 6 to 11. You'll notice in verse 6 to 8 that the mission pattern is set out by Jesus. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus commissions his followers to be his witnesses. Remember that image we began with of the ripple effect in the water? Here it's like the stone has been dropped in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and the ripple effect is about to take place. First of all, in Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Jesus outlines the pattern for his mission. What he's doing is setting the agenda for what is going to happen. In fact, the words of Jesus here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, give structure to the whole book of Acts. So in chapters 1 to 7, the narrative centers on the mission in Jerusalem, the center, as it were. Then in chapters 8 to 12, it transitions to Judea and Samaria, spreading out. Then in chapters 13 to 18, it moves out into the Gentile world, beginning in Asia and Europe and then ending up in Rome. The gospel spreads out from the center in Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And while this is the pattern in Acts, it continues to be the pattern for the mission of Jesus today. Because the mission of Jesus still continues. Acts ends with Paul in Rome. But that is not the ultimate goal of the mission as we know Because today, the good news of Jesus must continue to spread to the ends of the earth. But that's not the only pattern in Acts. There's another discernible pattern here, because when you track how the mission in Acts advances, it always seems to go proclamation, proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, proclamation, persecution, scattering, growth. Proclamation, persecution, scattering, growth. So the believers witness to the message of Jesus. Persecution comes because people reject the message of Jesus. Believers are then scattered out into different places. But what happens? The church grows. Persecution, sorry, proclamation, persecution, scattering, growth. And we see this kind of pattern still, don't we? We always have. And so, yes, Acts reminds us that the mission of Jesus is unstoppable and yet opposition to the gospel of Jesus is inevitable. And yet the rejection of the gospel message and the persecution of the church never stops the progress of the mission of Jesus. And I'm sure we can think of examples of this. Let me give one. I'm thinking of Christians who are fiercely persecuted for their faith in Sudan. I heard a story of how one church building was demolished by the authorities. It was bulldozed to the ground. But from it, believers scattered and four new churches were planted in order to reach more people. And that should surely motivate us to press on with the work that God has called us to do, whatever he has called us to do it. And whatever opposition we encounter, because the opposition will always come when we seek to be faithful in following Jesus. In Acts, we see that it comes from the world, where Herod kills James and puts Peter in prison. Opposition also comes from the religious establishment who want to stop Peter and John proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Opposition even comes from within the church through the sin of Ananias and Sapphira. And so God's people are killed for their faith. There are trials, imprisonments. There's opposition, there's scandal. And yet we're being told that is the normal pattern how the gospel of Jesus Christ advances in this world. And that's why we should never be surprised when it happens today. Whether the persecution comes from the world outside, whether the persecution comes from the religious establishment, the established church, or whether the opposition comes from sin from within, our own church. We should never be thrown off course, we should never be discouraged, we should never feel like giving up, because none of this can ultimately thwart the progress of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we need to note this pattern in Acts. Yes, there will be opposition, but there is always gospel growth. In fact, just listen to how gospel growth is described in Acts. It is like a drumbeat that gets louder and louder and louder as the book continues. Because the growth of the church is always described as the growth of the word. So in Acts chapter 6 verse 7, the word of God continued to increase. In Acts chapter 12 verse 24, the word of God increased And multiplied. In Acts chapter 13, verse 49, the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. And then in Acts chapter 19, verse 20, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So, church growth in Acts is word growth, the word of God increasing and multiplying, the word of God doing its work in people's lives through the power of the Spirit. And that's probably why we shouldn't put too much confidence in our own clever strategies or even our meticulous planning. Of course, we need to work hard and do what we can by all means, but the Word of God will do the work. Martin Luther, the reformer, said, I simply taught, preached, wrote God's Word Otherwise, I did nothing. I did nothing. The word did everything. And so Acts teaches us to have confidence in God's word to grow God's church in every place. Here in Lookout Mountain, in China, in India, in Uganda, in Manchester, in Glasgow, it is the Word of God by the power of the Spirit of God that reaches the lost. In any century, now in our 21st century, the Word of God will do its work. It's plan A. There is no plan B. And notice what happens here as soon as Jesus has outlined his mission plan. you see how there's more focus on the apostles' response and the angel's words than there is to the ascension of Jesus as if to drive home to us the urgency of the mission Jesus has now ascended into heaven and so now is the time for his work on earth to move forward it's as if the angels are saying don't stand there looking into heaven Jesus will come again, but before he does, you've got a job to do, so go and do it. The ascension, followed by the sending of the Spirit, indicate that the mission of Jesus must be carried out by his church until he returns again, and that's where we come in as the mission people, and that's our fourth point. First, the mission plan, second, the mission power, third, the mission pattern, and fourthly, the mission people. And here's where this applies to us, because we now live in the light of Jesus giving his mission plan, sending his mission power, and showing us his mission pattern. And so now he calls us to be his mission people until the day that he returns. And so we've got a job to do, haven't we? God is moving everything forward until the day when Jesus returns and then the mission will be complete. And so this ripple effect will continue with the gospel being proclaimed to all nations. And no power of hell or scheme of man can fight against this inevitability which means any opposition to the unstoppable mission of Jesus is completely futile, no matter where it comes from or how extreme it is, which should encourage us as Christian believers, shouldn't it? And it should motivate us to press on with the mission that Jesus has called us to do. Because if we belong to Jesus Christ, if we have been saved by His grace, we are never excused from participating in his mission. Because there are still people, you know them and I know them, who are lost in their sins and need to hear the saving message of Jesus Christ. And so we must urge people to repent of their sin and put their faith in Jesus. And so whatever our context, we will need to go out into the world To reach people who don't know Jesus and they may live on the other side of the world from here or they may just live across the street from our house wherever there are people we will need to find ways of engaging them that are more than just expecting them to show up at church on a Sunday and Acts gives us the pattern for this the mission, the evangelism in acts, it happens in public spaces, it happens in homes, it happens in the streets, in lecture theatres, in courtrooms, in temple courts, in prisons, in marketplaces, anywhere and everywhere where there are people. And so wherever you spend your week and wherever I spend my week, that's where Jesus sends us on his mission Our culture is hostile, and increasingly so. And yet that's no different from the context we find in Acts. And we must never forget that Jesus has not left us to do this on our own, in our own strength. He has given us the Holy Spirit to empower us to speak for him. And so Jesus is building his church. And that's why this passage is not just an encouragement to us if we follow Jesus, but it's also a warning to us if we don't. Because we are either part of the unstoppable mission of Jesus Christ or we are against it. We will either be for Jesus or we will be against him. But what we see here is that it is foolish to stand in the way of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to save through giving up his life on a cross to take away our sins and to bear the punishment that we deserve. And so the wisest thing that any human being can do is to stop rebelling against God, turn from sin, and trust Jesus as Savior. Because that is why he came. And so now is the time for anyone to respond because the unstoppable mission of Jesus will march on until he returns. As we close it is very interesting how the book of Acts ends. It ends with the apostle Paul in Rome and we read that he is proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Without hindrance is literally the word unhinderedly. And so the narrative of Acts concludes, but the task is unfinished. And so as those who have experienced the grace of God towards us in Jesus Christ, then how should we invest our lives? Why would we want to invest our lives in anything less than the great and glorious, the certain and unstoppable mission of Jesus Christ. My friends, my brothers and sisters, let's go for it. Jesus is building his church. His mission is unstoppable. He calls us into it to serve him. So let's go. Let me close in prayer. Our gracious and loving God, we thank you for how you have revealed your purposes for this world to us in your word and through your spirit and in your son. We thank you for your purposes that will one day be complete when this unstoppable mission of Jesus ends when he returns. We thank you, God, for how you are advancing your kingdom even as we sit here today We thank you for calling us into your church, your family, to be your people, that we might go to reach those who are lost and share with them the good news of our Lord Jesus. We pray that you would propel us all out from this place to go and live for you and serve you and speak of our mighty Savior Jesus. For we pray in his name. Amen.